Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR professional. Hello, Emily. Oh, hey, Shelley. It's very formal. <gasps> that was very formal. That was weird. So, hey, Shell, I'm Em and I you know work- me, love weird. Yeah, you do love weird and you also love throwing me off my game when we're doing an <laughs> intro. So, uh, let me say that I work for Foresight's Recruitment and HR. I, uh, I specialise in that space that is recruitment and customer experience and I think what's happening here really is that we're a little bit loopy because we're really looking forward to this episode. We've been kicking around ideas and having a really good laugh and now we're excited to jump on the mics record and uh, hit you guys. So tell us, Em. Yes. What are we talking about today? Okay. So the top 10 interview, biggest interview mistakes that we could come up with. Yeah. We've done a lot of interviews and these are the things that we see not in every interview, but they do come up time and time again. And some of them are very subtle. So if you've listened to season one and you've listened to our interview episode uh, way back when we did that, yeah, that's kind of like kind of getting you match fit for interviews. I was a little bit textbooky. Yeah. A little bit textbooky. Yeah. Great content though. Oh, don't dismiss right. it. It was very good it's great content. Great content. Go back and listen. Our, <laughs> we, we're a little bit silly today, but it was our like second episode yes, or something. So can you imagine if we did go back and listen? I My know. Goodness. But today what we're talking about is some of the subtleties in interviews that actually can really throw the panel member off when they're listening or, or hearing from a candidate. So we've got, we've collated and, and, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this our 10 mistakes, things that you need to avoid when you go into an interview. Yeah, but we're also going to give some advice on what to do. That's right. Keep it positive, keep it light. That's right. So mistake number one that we see is when a person being interviewed doesn't smile. Mm. It It sounds so simple, right? Like, but I've seen this more on Zoom lately where if I've got a focused face, you know, do you have? Oh, I have a, yeah. So people say to me, why are you so concerned? I'm like, oh, no, that's just my face. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what happens in interviews where people, they're focused so hard that they forget to smile. Mm. So it is a mistake because it feels quite cold to the panel. So what we want is it's like the uh, think happy thoughts, like smile, just smile. And sometimes you actually need to practice your, your responses to questions in the moment and do that smiling because that warmth that you will convey is contagious. So when I sit on a panel the other day, I, I was doing an interview, beautiful interview, and 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 the person was smiling so much, and I was just smiling with them because I'm like, ah, oh, this is so contagious. I'm just smiling. I'm so happy. They're happy. We're all happy. Good vibes. Good vibes. Mm. That's right. I like that one. That's a good one. So okay, that's me. Nice. So then number two, very similar. We're starting at the top. We'll work our way down. Uh, eye contact. So Mm. I actually had an experience myself recently. Uh, It's come up consistently, but one in particular that happened recently, I was sitting in an interview with two other people on the panel. So there was myself, my boss, and then another senior person. And we were interviewing somebody. And I, what I found was that the person being interviewed, what I would call the candidate, they were making eye contact only with my boss. And he was, you know, has the most senior job title. He was not the person that was asking all the questions. We were sort of evenly asking questions. Was he the hiring manager? So interestingly, this role would would report to me. Yeah, right. And then I report to him. So, you know, there is that sort of line there 
But um, but the candidate was was focused more on kind of would you say winning him over? Yeah, yeah. So he was the candidate was only making contact with him, uh, eye contact rather with him, and it happened from the get go. And at first, I kind of went, okay, you know, maybe it's because my boss has asked this question, um, maybe it's nerves. I you know let sort of the interview flow a little bit, and then I asked a question. And I still didn't get eye contact. And so I started to observe because there were us three panel members, whether or not this candidate was making eye contact with the third panel member as well. And they weren't. And I guess what that did is it made me feel like even though I was as influential in the decision, ultimate decision making as those other two panel members, one of them being my boss, um, it made me feel quite, I guess, like a little bit dismissed or a little bit like, okay, why, questioning like why is this person not engaging? And look, I'll never know where it was coming from but it, it really caught me early and then and I kind of went, oh, I'll just wait for this person to warm up and then it just never happened and it was really off-putting. And it's distracting. Yeah. And so what's happening in the interview um, when that when that type of thing happens is you start thinking not about what they're saying but about why they're not making eye contact. That's right and why they're not, uh, I guess, evenly including or uh, looking to address or looking to build rapport with everybody in the room. And so uh, what I would prefer is actually if I'm in an interview and there's a few people on the panel that – no matter who asks the question, because chances are, you know, different panel members are going to ask different questions, that that candidate actually evenly spreads their yes. eye contact while they're answering across the whole panel. Because whether I'm asking a question or a different panel man- member is asking a question, we're actually asking on behalf of the panel. So yeah. therefore the answer needs to be addressed to everyone. Yes, and it's just it's way more inclusive and it feels more natural. It feels like we're all having a conversation then. Yes. Yeah, and I mean eye contact, like smiling, wins people over. That's right. Mm. Mistake number three is not practising your career overview or your career story. Ah, the tell us about yourself. Ah, the tell Classic us. opener. The opener. So usually in an interview, if you don't know, because and I guess you don't interview that often, right? So so we do this all the time. So we know the types of questions that get asked. One of the first questions you'll get asked in most interviews is tell us a bit about yourself or tell us why you've applied for the job. You need to practice your response to this because this is essentially your first impression. Tell me, Shell, what happens when you're sitting there and that question's been asked and the, the candidate across the table starts with the beginning of their resume? Oh, and this is the mistake, right? Because this happens a lot. Yeah. And people will go, well, I finished my study back in 2003 and then they, they waffle on through and it, it, honestly I start freaking out because I'm like, oh. In that moment. Again, we've seen this mistake before. We know exactly what's coming. I it's know. a monologue. It's a monologue. That goes for too long. And and it's a missed opportunity. It's totally a missed opportunity because what you want is to be – think uh, if you're going into that question going, they've read my resume, they've probably looked on my LinkedIn profile, they know quite a bit about me already in terms of my professional experience. So what I want to do is make this engaging and concise. And – a layer on top of what they already know. That's right. 
That's right. This is your first question. So it need this question more than any of them, I think, needs to be your strongest. Have you ever had to cut somebody off? I have. Mm, same. It's not a nice way for anybody to be starting that 30 minutes, that 60 minutes, that 90 minutes that uh, we're about to spend 100%, together. 100%. And because – and it throws the candidate off, right? Yeah. So if you if you go on too long, the panel getting disengaged, which is not good. But also, if they have to cut you off, you get thrown. Yeah, I what I like to hear so that uh, being succinct is so important for me. It's like okay, well, what are we hitting on? We're hitting not on a recap of your chronological career history. We're actually hitting on who you are. It's like a sentence on who you are as a professional. But you're trying to jam as much value into that as you can. A sentence in an optimistic way around why you're sitting where you are. And then I actually like a little dose of something personal. Yes. I think if you can inject in there somewhere, like this is this is a paragraph, not a page. Yep. And if you can inject in there a little sentence or something about who you are as a person outside of work, that's a it's the perfect opportunity for that as well. And so if I was, I hope you're going to indulge me for a sec, but say if I'm sitting in an interview and the interviewer asks me, Shelley, can you just tell me about yourself? Here's my response. I'm a mum of one and I've got one on the way and I'm married to Sam and I love what I do. I love working with people and I love seeing organisations thrive. And so every job that I've been in has been about building organisational performance. That's what I'm passionate about. And I love partnering with the business to see it achieve its goals. And you may add one sentence on the end of that that connects that to the, I guess, job that you're applied for. Yeah, 100%. Or that organisation that you're sitting in front of. And so you just get that little sense of who they are, but it's not long-winded. It allows that person to follow up those questions, like to have follow-up questions if they want, which is a better scenario than cutting you off, obviously. Yeah, because uh, they can then say, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit more about this? Like it's a really nice segue. Uh, you smiled when you said that and you made lovely eye contact. Oh, Thanks, good. Shell. No worries. Well, I've ticked those two boxes. What you also just demonstrated was a lead-in really nicely to mistake number four. So you were very succinct. But most of people, most people are not. Most people make the mistake of basically just talking for far too long in an answer. So we just talked about that opening question and, and that there's this mistake that people make, which is that monologue of going back through their career history. Apply the same to every other question. So do not make the mistake of answering any question with a long-winded answer. Shortest is sweetest. Short is sweet. And you've kept that point short and sweet. Mistake number five, Em, I've got a story to illustrate this point. So recently uh, in an interview, the candidate after each question wrapped up their response with, so did I answer that question? And, <laughs> and so, what did you say? <laughs> well, obviously we kind of just say yes because we can't really – we can't really answer that. As, uh, and so one of the things that did was caused me to question their confidence and capability. And so it, it starts to, as the interview panel member, make me think, oh, I, I don't think they're very sure of themselves. And then that makes me unsure of them in the role. And so I think it's really important to monitor instead of saying, so here's the flip side of what I would do. Instead of following up the question or your response saying, did I answer that question? If you're confused maybe about what the interviewer is wanting, ask clarifying questions up front. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I'm if you're asking me something M, and I you know do a response, and then at the end of it, I'm like, oh, I might not have communicated that well. And so the temptation is to go, are you happy? Like, are you happy with that? Or did I answer the Was question? Was that okay? Yeah. Instead, what I need to do on the front end is go. Um, can I just check? Are you looking for an example, or would you? Are you talking about it in this way? And just ask some of those clarifying questions. And candidates sometimes don't know they can do that. Yeah, it's a good point. The other thing that concerns me, I've I've had similar experiences. They're few and far between, but I have had some similar experiences, and I find it's quite jarring to the conversation. So. When I am interviewing a candidate, my preference, and this is just my personal style, is that it ends up being a conversation rather than a tennis match, back and forth, question, answer, question, answer, because I just think you are then able to be much more similar to what you would be once you're in the workplace together. You make the candidate feel more comfortable, so you ultimately have them sharing more of themselves. I also feel like as uh, I guess somebody who's already in the organisation, it's easier to share more about, you know, what it's really like to work here. The tone is nicer. You're checking if you get along. And when somebody at the end of their response says, did I answer the question or was that enough or something to that effect, kind of pulls the conversation up. You as the interviewer or the panel has to then say, uh, Yep, that was good. Thank you. We'll move on to the next one. And it's just very... Uh, it's artificial. It is, yes. It's, and it feels like, you know, when you're at uni and you're doing an exam and you get a question and then you do a response and you get a question in an exam and you do a response. Whereas what, what we want as a panel when we're interviewing is conversation to flow. Yeah, we want to try and... Em- in, nobody has to interview every day that they go to their job, but we do in an interview want to try and emulate as best as possible that conversation, that vibe that you will experience when you're in meetings together or you're sitting alongside each other doing your work and you're just having a bit of a chat. Yeah, that's right. All right, we're at the halfway point. So let's take a break, Shell, and then we'll come back with our final five mistakes. Perfect. Money, property, careers, health, small business. We love learning how to do all of these well so we can live our best life. That's why we've made podcasts focus on a variety of topics – Check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, Gen Z Money, and You To Me, You To You, You To Us, which is just about sexual and reproductive health. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
We're back, Shell, and we're up to mistake number six. The mistake that I see made is this overuse of technical jargon. So you see it often uh, in roles like uh, IT, finance, but to be honest, it can actually apply to any industry or any profession. And if we look at a classic example, if you've got a panel, you're usually going to have someone from HR. You're going to have someone, should we pick on an IT role? Let's pick on an IT role. So you might have, you're interviewing for an IT manager role. So you'll have a HR person and then you'll have the hiring manager. And that hiring manager is usually going to be the person who maybe is in like the CIO, so the chief information officer role. So they're also a technical person. And what can happen is you can have one or two things that um, I guess sit sort of on the si- each side of the seesaw. You can either have the candidate use too much technical jargon that it's lost on anybody in the room, like say the HR person who's not from that particular skill set, or maybe try and like dumb it down. Like I've had that experience where that person tries to dumb it down and it actually ends up being somewhat condescending yes. as well. That's right. I, yeah, I've, I've had that experience where you sit in there and they say, like, as the, as a HR rep, you're kind of on panels quite a bit, but you may not be the technical expert. And yeah. It's almost like they're trying to cater for you, your lack of knowledge. And I find that kind of like a bit obnoxious. I'm like, no, just assume that like... I'll keep up. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm fairly intelligent. I will yeah. be able to navigate it. Like, don't go super jargony on me, but like, you don't need to be like oh, Shelley, like this is what this means in case you didn't know. (laughs) Because here's where we go, okay, well, what do you do instead? So let's avoid making the mistake of either using too much jargon or trying to, in inverted commas, dumb it down, dumb the jargon down too much. Instead, what's really important is that you actually find a way to demonstrate that you can be a technical expert and you know your stuff and that CIO is going to think, wow, this person is actually uh, very skilled in IT and this is an IT manager role, so that's super important, but that you're also at the same time demonstrating that you have the ability to communicate with a variety of stakeholders who have differing um, skill sets, different levels of knowledge and that you can actually take them on the journey of an answer because when you're in the role, I guarantee every business is looking particularly in 2020 and beyond, we've talked about it a lot, looking for people who can take what is technical and communicate that with all sorts of people inside and outside of the business. Yeah, that translation. So you're still demonstrating you have that depth of technical knowledge that's needed for the role, but that you're also able to translate it in a way that makes sense to anyone. And everything we've been talking about in and around either future of work or evolving roles, particularly in highly technical roles like IT, engineering, finance, is that employers are actually looking for communication skills to be strong, stronger than ever. Definitely. So mistake number seven is not using the panel members' names. Oh, simple but effective. Simple. And and so I I say this is a mistake because I have seen it where – you know, I've been on been on an interview and the candidate hasn't referred to any of the panel members' names at all during the interview and that feels like either they've been to a lot of interviews and they, they, they can't remember the names or maybe their interpersonal skills maybe aren't as strong. And so what I love when a candidate can – and I've seen this done so beautifully where a candidate weaves in 
that personal connection to the interviewer. So if it was me sitting on an interview with you, Em, and you asked me a question and I would be saying, Em, that's such a good question. Can you unpack a little bit about the context for me? Like is there something in particular that's uh, a problem at the moment that you're wanting to solve? So if I was asking you back a question, I would use your name and that immediately creates – there's something psychologically that happens that creates warmth. Human connection. That's right. Mm. I've even seen it work really nicely when a candidate is asked a question by Shelley as a panel member and they're able to say, oh, okay, that's really interesting. So Glenn, also a panel member. So picking up on what Glenn was describing earlier about your yes. organisation – in answering your question, I would say X, Y, Z. And yeah. so you're actually, it's like this indirect in passing um, reference to somebody who has spoke, who is in the room and has spoken earlier. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, ding, ding, ding. They actually know our names. Wow. And that's it, cool. And it's it's more than just knowing their names or just dropping it in. It's more the, what that, that relational equity or warmth that mm. creates this kind of dynamic where you feel like we all kind of know each other. And so it's those things and they're very nuanced but they do – this is the subtlety of some of these mistakes but then also if you can do the opposite, that can really enhance the experience for that panel who are assessing and you. I agree. Some of these mistakes we see uh, rarely but when they happen, they're a big deal. Other mistakes I personally see all the time. Yes. And that, that one now that you've just shared, that's actually something that I see all the time. Yeah. More often than not, people make the mistake of not using names. That's right. So what that means, again, to flip it, is that if you can nail it, you're all of a sudden ahead of the rest. And even if we we go down the rabbit hole even further, I did have someone say to me in an interview once, thanks, Steph. Oh, well, "Mm." so I was sitting here (laughs) thinking, but don't call me Emma. Yes, (laughs) don't call Emily Emma and Uh, don't call Shelly Steph. (laughs) But otherwise, do whatever you like. Yeah, it's a (laughs) free-for-all. Don't don't do any of these mistakes. (laughs) Oh Well, mistake number eight is the missed opportunities to build rapport. Ooh. Mm, So I'm just, you know, flowing so nicely from the whole name thing that we just talked about. I'm all about opportunities to build rapport in interviews. Uh, I keep talking about this idea of like conversational interviews and getting to know each other and – dropping in a little personal note here and there. So I believe that it is a mistake when you do not take that opportunity at the beginning and then throughout an interview to actually build rapport. Uh, I'm going to give you a really, really simple way that I think everybody can um, build rapport, but that many people don't take advantage of. When you go to an interview, you're going to at some point be asked how you are. Like it's just such a natural thing as humans where it's a, it's an opener. It's a, oh, hi, Shelley. Uh, look, thank you so much for coming in today. How are you? And yes. then you get an answer. That answer can be, oh, I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? But that is the mistake. That's a missed opportunity to build rapport. My recommendation to you is instead find some little piece of personality that you can inject. So, For example, your answer might be, I'm really well, actually. I've just uh, treated myself to a lunch, which I wouldn't normally get to do on a Wednesday. 
I've actually just gone and visited uh, the cafe that's just near here and I hadn't been there before. So yeah, it was really lovely. I love that so much. It's it's concise, but it's like this, I, I find that a bit more colourful. It's like you can have the black and white response of, good thanks, how are you, which is stock standard, but it's almost like kind of tokenistic. But what you're doing there is you're saying, I'm, I've got a personality. I'm, I've got vibe. I've got a life. I'm happy to share with you. I'm opening up just that little bit. And what it allows the interviewer to then do is say, oh, yes, I went there last week. What did you have? Because I had the halloumi salad and it was beautiful. And, and I love a good halloumi salad. I so I would do. really connect with that. Yeah. But, but I think the thing in that, now this sounds really simple and you, and you might be listening thinking, like I don't, I don't see what impact that has. But when you're sitting in eight interviews in the one day and you get stock standard response after stock standard response, you are looking for that that colour, that that light and shade, that vibrancy, and those little moments where you build rapport with the panel, like what Em just shared. That's your moment, and you need to take it because you do need to stand out. You could even another idea again, super simple is. If your interview's in the morning, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm really well, thanks. I actually, I went to the gym this morning and it's a bit of a treat because I had an extra half an hour up my sleeve. So I'm feeling like I've had this morning that I wouldn't normally have had. Love it. Mistake number nine. This happens regularly. I will say from from the outset. Mistake number nine is that you don't take an opportunity to compose yourself. So I, I often see, and, and I'm sure you see this a lot as well, in an interview, it's normal to get a little bit flustered. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's a weird environment. It's a kind of artificial environment at times. So if you get asked a question and you don't know, maybe you're not understanding what they're asking or, or maybe it's using a word that you're not familiar with because sometimes businesses have their own lingo and they, they ask you a question, if you don't understand and it throws you, don't just jump into the answer. And don't feel like you need to just fill the space with words before you have sort of composed your thoughts or organised right. your thoughts. So, so it is okay to compose yourself. Take a moment and, and ask them, oh, do you mind if I just take a little moment to think about this? And you know what, that's totally fine because in real life – when you get asked a question in a meeting, you're not expected to know the answer to everything. It's a little bit like bringing out your inner politician. That's right. I've seen this done so well in interviews where they say, oh, that's a really good question. Do you mind if I just have a moment to think about where I've experienced this before and then I can provide you an example? Or if you are not understanding what's being asked because it is using some kind of language that you're not familiar with, ask them, hey, Em, can you just give me an example of that so I can kind of put it, I can get my head around it? I'm not familiar with that term. Do you mind giving, is there another way that maybe that's phrased? In our business, we have a thing called niches. Quite simply, it's just the name that we have for departments, divisions, teams. And we don't realise that we just use that. We just talk about, oh, well, in this niche and then you'd be working with that niche and you'd fit into, you know, a niche that deals with this type of client base and we have we might not always pull ourselves up and ex- define that early on. So I would encourage, for example, in that situation, to your point, Shell, 
if you're the candidate, it's totally okay to say niches. Uh, yes. Is that teams in your business or um, – Oh, help oh, me what, understand. Yeah, or oh, what's yeah. this? You, you're talking about niches. Do you mind just describe, explaining to me what a niche is yeah. in your business? And that's okay. And you know what? I, I love when candidates do that because to me it makes me make, – it gives me the sense that, A, they're not a like, – they're curious and that curiosity and they're not they're, – they're confident enough in themselves to ask a question without being afraid that they'll look silly. It also – tells me that they want to understand. Yes. They're actually sitting there going, let me and help me understand this business. I don't want to walk out of here and just have glossed over or pretended that I knew. I genuinely want to to sort of get a feel for um, who you guys are as an organisation. So good. So, and bring us home because we've got our final mistake. Mistake number 10. We're calling this one... Uh, the mistake of not keeping it real. So when I was thinking of something that as an interviewer, I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, why are you doing that? One thing that came to mind that had to go in these 10 mistakes is when candidates in answering a question just give this like fluffy, wishy-washy, overly broad or vague answer and it feels like they're just trying to tell you what they think you want to hear. Yeah. It's like the political response. I'm going to say stuff, but I don't really say anything. Yeah. It's like words, but no meaning. Maybe there's cliches or it's generic or it's just them, they're regurgitating or echoing back to you context that you've already given in answering the question. And so you're kind of left feeling like you didn't really say anything. And, and the interview panel, what they want out of an interview is to get to know you. Yes. They want to get to know your technical skills, your cultural fit, your capability and your potential. They can't get that if you're not real. And being real can mean that you say, I haven't had that experience before, but here's an experience I have had that is yes. sort of still similar or that is still relevant or that I would draw on to answer that question or to deal with that situation. So you actually call out imperfection. Ideally, if you've applied for a role, you've maybe hit 70 to 80% of what that job ad was asking for and then you've been asked to interview because the panel has looked at your resume, looked at your application and thought, yeah, this person ticks enough boxes that we actually want to spend a bit more time with them. We want to get to know them. So there's no expectation that it's 100%, that you're 100% bang on. So if once or twice through an interview, you actually uh, don't hit the nail 100% on the head, it's okay. Just be real. And I love what you said before, Em, about it's okay for there to be imperfection. And we talked about this in in our, our second ever episode in interviews, How to Crush Your Interview. But I will say it again because this happens all the time. Where people don't keep it real, the classic way you see this is, what are your weaknesses? Mm. What are your weaknesses? Oh, I work too hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And that that grates, that actually grates on my soul <laughs> because I think I just want to know, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Gosh, if I, if someone asked me that question, I could go, how long do you have? Yeah, do you have two true. hours? I'll tell you all my weird problems. There's heaps of them. But 
you know, like just be real. Like, okay, my attention to detail isn't great. That's been an area I've had to work on. As a panel member, I'm like, they're real. They're telling me the truth. Because when you're too, when you're not keeping it real and you end up using cliches, you're too generic or you're too vague, that for me is poor communication. Yes. And lack of self-awareness. And that impacts whether I feel like I can trust you or not. Yeah. So 10 interview mistakes, things not to do, things to avoid. But then in that here, all the advice of if you're able to flip it and do those things like smile, like keeping it real, like going in confident, taking every opportunity to build rapport, you will ace that interview. You'll stand out from the rest guaranteed because everybody else is still there making these mistakes. That's right, 100%. Thanks for listening and hanging out. We love uh, hearing from you. If you're not on the Facebook community, My Millennial Money, jump on, send through your questions there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, what do we want people to do, Em? I think it's the five stars, isn't it, Shell? That's the one we like. Rate and review. Leave us a nice comment. Give us a of dopamine. That's right. We love it. Thank you and we will chat soon. Thanks, Shell. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. 